we're going to have some fun today. Just as a survey, um, and even online, you guys can raise hands, because I love that in the online platform. You can ask for prayer, and they will take you to a very uh, personal spot there in the online campus, and you can pray. But also, uh, you can raise hands, you can give, you can... You know, on the online campus, you guys can talk throughout the whole service. Um, Basically, the only thing you can do in the uh, in person is you can either you know pretend like you're listening to me, or you can actually go to sleep, and that's cool. Uh, either one. How many of you have a smartphone? Could I? I don't want to just see your hands. I want to see. I want to see the devices. Come on, let's see. It's in the car. Wow. Some people said it's in the car. Yeah. You know what? I might. Yeah. I was gonna say a few of my honorary friends. They'll turn on their flashlight and we'll do that here in a minute yeah love that um amazing amazing technology we'll get into that but it also has to do with how we live our lives these days and we want to live them in such a way live our lives in such a way that it matters um, that we know jesus so we're going to do this series wwjp and i honestly think it will be something that you can if somebody asks you, what did you do this weekend? You can go, well, I talked about what would Jesus post. I think it could spark some interesting conversations. Anyway, let me tell you a story. After a very hard day of volunteering in town, you scroll through your Facebook before you head off to bed. And you see a post from your friend Brian. And you see that the recent storm knocked out his electricity. And thankfully, because of the kind of person that you are, you have the perfect comment for him. And so you take out your device and your thumbs just start blessing him to no end. Because you just say something like, well, it's a good thing that Jesus is the light of the world. But you got to keep scrolling. And then your Facebook friends, of course, there's your cousin, Ashley. And Ashley posts, missing my boo. Is that funny? She's missing her boo. You do you, boo. Okay. But because you love Ashley, you go, fear not, my sweet cousin Ashley. I know exactly what will cheer you up. And your thumbs go, and he's like, a cheerful heart is good medicine, and a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I'm sure Ashley feels a lot better because of what you just did. But you, while you're lying there looking at Facebook, you're just ecstatic. Because you can just feel the love of Jesus flowing through your thumb tips. And then all of a sudden, something terrifying happens. Something, well, it's just overwhelming, appears on your screen. A non-believer just commented on one of your posts. And it wasn't good. But you, being the person that you are, you reply with a razor-sharp one-liner and then you finish it off with a cross emoji because that's what you do. But instantly, you get seven likes, which kind of like in you know a movie that we all kind of like at Christmas. Every single one of those likes represents the salvation of a lost soul. We all know that. And then as you triumphantly turn away from your screen or set down your phone, you see a celestial arm materialize out of the ceiling of your bedroom and it gives you a defined fist bump and you hear the voice from heaven saying, Well done, my Facebook servant. <laughs> okay, that may be a little bit over the top and a little melodramatic, but in some cases, only just a little. Only just a little. Because if you do a quick survey of practically any social media platform, you often find people interacting this way. 
Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? Okay. And even Christians, even Christians who are on social media platforms try to share truth. But I'm just saying, I don't venture into it a lot. But when I go and survey for the sake of actually bringing some truth to bear, some light to bear on these situations, so often Christians are so negative and they're so hypercritical. And honestly, you know, because I, I can quote verses and, and, and all that with the best of them, but a lot of times I see Christians who are so out of touch with what someone actually said. But there again, where do you actually turn in the Bible to find social media manners? What chapter and verse is that that you go, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do? So what I hope to do today and then expand on it next week and the week after that is this idea. And that is, if we're Christ followers, it doesn't matter if we are IRL. <laughs> I'm just dropping it, man. I'm just telling you, I'm just as cool as the, I'm just cool. Throw signs with the rest of you. Okay. Here's the thing, in case you don't know what IRL, that's in real life. Um, You're welcome. I am a walking, talking uh, interpreter right here. Whether you're IRL or you are in the social media realm, no matter where you are, what you're doing, whatever you're involved in, there's some marching orders. And I want us to see what those marching orders are orders are so that we can do what this next verse i put it on here and that is um it's just straight up two words imitate christ that's not a suggestion it's what we're supposed to be doing it's not do it if it's easy it's imitate christ imitate christ I think most people that I know of that are a part of Rock Springs are trying to engage with us as Rock Springs friends. Uh, I think that you say, I want to rely on Christ in all areas of my life, but it's, and, and, and I hear people like you, David, uh, professional Christians and all that. I hear you say things like that, but how am I supposed to do that? And like I said, there's no one place that you, you turn. But if you're not careful, you say, well, the social media apps that I have on this or my iPad or the computer, whatever it may be, is like that's one part of my life and then there's the Rock Springs Jesus part of my life and then there's the work part of my life. It's like, no, 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 no. no. It's, it, he's got to invade and pervade everything. But how does that work? Because I know you probably like to, to, to rely on Christ, but you still have to wonder, if Jesus were walking around today, would he have an account on Facebook? Hard to say. Since I'm imagining things, if he had a Facebook profile, would his profile picture be a selfie? I don't know. Or would he have a group pic with the 12 and him? I, I, I don't know. I can say this. I am absolutely sure he would be verified on X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, have no doubt about that. But then you have to ask questions, and I want you to laugh and think and all these things. Would he actually like the Babylon Bee? And for those of you who've never checked out the Babylon Bee, you should. Just. Some of you are going, I am so tuned out with this, what you're doing right now. This is so irrelevant. No, it's not. It is extremely relevant. I know that the average age of the Rock Springer is closer to my age than 20. But I'm doing everything I can to make that different. Because I want to pass off a very vigorous, durable faith in Jesus Christ to the next generation. And you know what? I, I don't pretend. I, I am not cool in any way. I am not cool. I try to make you laugh, but I am not cool. Hey! 
between you and my mom saying amen at the wrong times. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I want you to love Jesus with everything that you are. And I want you every day to try and figure out how do I follow him better. That's all this is. And I'm probably going to offend you, but I'm doing it out of love. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just saying I'm probably going to bump up against some stuff that you and I both need to deal with. I have to deal with this. I hope you will too. So even if this seems ridiculous to you, I still go back to what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, and he was writing to some friends in a very worldly, not Christian culture. And what he actually says is, as I follow Christ and imitate Christ, I want you to follow me. As I follow Christ, I want you to imitate Jesus. And I do think that means in every area of our life, and I think you've got to slow down long enough to examine what does that actually mean, because it may have to do with what's in your wallet. It may have to do with what's in your search history. It may have to do with the way you talk. It may have to do with how you think that your thumbs are blessing people. I think it has to really, really come to terms with what do we do with social media, because it is so much the fabric they say cotton's the fabric of our lives. Nope. Nope, nope. I'm saying, what would Jesus post? And how can I post like Jesus? So we're going to look at it a couple of different ways. I want to unpack some things. Now, I left a lot of blank space there on your notes because if those of you who like to take notes and impress your friends with irrelevant information, you have plenty of room to do that. Here's what's actually going on and how we got to where we are today. Everybody with me? Okay. In the 1960s, which I was born in 1961, so we're talking about within my lifetime. Which, by the way, did you know as of January the 1st, uh, the first adult generation has finally, I mean, the first generation has come to their adulthood uh, within the whole realm of the internet. So when you talk to your grandkids, those of you who are my age, talk to your grandkids, it's wallpaper to them. For you, it's like, where did they put that thing? I can't figure out how to get in the 1960s, there were a lot of large computers, mostly under the, the, uh, the, the supervision of uh, universities around the country. But in the 1960s, large computers, they figured out a way to connect one large computer to another, to another, to another. Very cool. When I talk about large computers, they were like the size of a house. Okay. I'm not kidding. They were that big. Then the 70s, they got a little smaller. But somebody said, well, since all these things are connected, we need some rules and regulations or protocols. So they set a bunch of rules and protocols to use with those computers so that all of them would be essentially be talking uh, clearly to one another. 1974, so we're talking about a span of about 15 to 20 years, that happened. Then it was another 15 years, uh, a guy by the name of Tim Berners-Lee added hypertext uh, to all of that, and hypertext is kind of like, uh, it's, you remember, hey, you guys remember printed books, and then you look at the end of the document, and you could see all their references for where they got all their information? Imagine being able to just know where that reference is, and you can click on it, and it immediately goes to that reference. That's what hypertext is. He figured out a way to do that, and thus was born in 1991, what we now know as the Internet, or as we started calling it at first, the World Wide Web, or WWW. Okay. Then, from 1991 to 2005, while the Internet was trying to find its way of how does all this work, and we have web addresses, and no one knew that, although I can remember the moment, I think it was during a Super Bowl in the early, I mean, the mid to late 90s, Toyota came on, and it said www.toyota.com. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And now everybody's like, just go to my website. Just go to my, okay. And saying it took over that quickly. And people started monetizing it. So I said 2005. It actually happened in 2003, 4, 5, and 6. That's when people, how many of you had a MySpace <laughs> Look at you! <laughs> you should be in an antique barn. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And then the next year after MySpace, Facebook came out. Started on a university. Yeah, Facebook. How many of you got a Facebook account? Come on, church, tell the truth. Yep. Then YouTube. That's where I spend a lot of time. You can learn how to do anything. 
literally anything. I'm learning how to do dental surgery on YouTube. <laughs> and then there was Twitter, which the whole point of that was just get word out quickly, 140 characters, do it and get it done. Now it's called X, okay? Now I don't want to overstate or understate, but then in 2007 the world literally changed. And it wasn't all in him, but I'm saying the guy that was the head of Apple, Steve Jobs, stood up in front of people and he said, got one more thing called the iPhone. Changed everything. I don't even know how to describe it. It changed everything. Because now all that power was in the palm of your hand everywhere you go. Listen to me. A lot of you are glazing over. I'll give you... You know, something fun to talk about. Uh, what the internet did is it created a new method of communication. Because people have been communicating thousands of years. But what came with the internet is it came with multiple channels within that method, which was very, very different than anything that had come before. It brought all kinds of new words. I put some on the screen. There's just so many. Leanne and I were trying to just, just uh, uh, you know, generate this. For one thing, social media vocabulary includes words that we used to think of as something different because post, I thought that was the thing that held the fence up. But now you post. It's a verb. You post. You tweet. And if you are cool like me, you know that tweet doesn't mean like what birds used to do. It means that you're saying something briefly and you're trying to get other people to comment on it. Blog is a shortening of web log vlog i'm just telling you human beings are weird because that means video web log so you go got all these words post and tweet and blog and vlog and like and dm dm me man you know get it on the dm follow follow used to mean i'm going over there why don't you follow me over now it's a button that you push because that you don't want to miss out a single thing anybody got, has to say right I mean, we don't have anything else to do. We just want to listen to each other talk. Subscribe is what you do. You used to do a magazine. It used to cost you something. Now you just hit the, like, be sure and hit the subscribe button up there and don't forget to hit the notification bell because there's another word, notifications. Ding! Ding, 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 ding. And then hashtag. That used to mean pound. It's the pound sign on the phone. Now it's a hashtag, which you go, that doesn't even make sense. Hashtag what? Well, then you also have to have a handle. Okay, you can reach me at such and such. And then there's selfie. Like I told you. I can even open it up right now. Hit that button. But what's going to make this selfie work is duck lips. <laughs> I will tweet that later. Okay. Please don't. And then you got influencers, which is just people who can get a whole lot of follows and likes and all the other stuff. And you're going, I am. And then the whole thing. And you talk to teenagers, and I love teenagers. I want to help teenagers. But there are teenagers who say, you know what my life ambition is? I want to go viral. Like when I was a kid, you did not want to go viral. <laughs> it's not a good thing. And I already shared with you, IRL, in real life. We have to designate, is this real? Because people say it didn't really happen unless it shows up on Facebook. And yet life does happen without Facebook. Does that make Facebook wrong in and of itself? The bottom line to this, all it's, 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 it's a brand new way of communicating with words and images. It's a brand new shape. This is what, something I can say with certainty. It is a brand new shape and form of communication that has never existed before in the history of the world. That's how powerful it is. And this new shape, let me tell you, this new shape is different than newspapers or magazines or anything that co goes in print and is different from any kind of broadcast as in television or radio, and I'll tell you how here in just a minute. But what I want you to see is because this is in our hands and in our pockets everywhere we go, the shape of this communication device multiplies the reach, it multiplies the frequency, the timeliness, the the permanence, because if it's on the internet, it will never go away. And it also multiplies your ability to do good or evil. You're like, I don't know, I didn't help with that. Well, you, you got it.
Here's the shape. I, I put it in here because some of you just like want to know this stuff. The shape of social media is technically called dialogic transmission. Dialogic transmission system, which means there are many sources and many receivers. You say, how's that different? Well, think about it. The shape of traditional media is monologic transmission, means there is one source and many recipients. You say, big deal. Oh, <laughs> it is a big deal. Because if you've been in journalism, if you were trying to publish a newspaper, you put all of your effort into one thing that went out at a specific time. It came only from you, and it was delivered to many subscribers. So if you could get to that point, you were influential. Or even a radio or TV station. A radio station broadcasts the exact same program to a lot of different people all the time and anybody who wants to pick up on it. But social media literally has the potential to make everyone who has a smart device, it makes every user as potentially powerful as any newspaper, television, or radio station on the planet. And you wonder why you're worn down. It's because there is so much information coming at you from so many different directions, and then when you get powered up, you want to be one of the ones who's having a say. It's a big deal, y'all. Back in the day, how many of you remember Walter Cronkite? You talk about what Walter said the night before. Monolithic, there was one voice. Lots of people commented on it. You do not live in that world anymore. And for those of you who are about my age or older, I'm sorry, you don't live there anymore. Because now, everybody has the same size megaphone as Walter Cronkite. And in this brave new world that you need to come to terms with, with the power of Jesus Christ in your life is, you've got to understand, volume is greater than content. Mm. You say, what are you talking about? Do you understand the scale of what we're talking about? Because I'm just dealing with social media. There are so many aspects to the internet. I'm just dealing with social media. Social media networks, just get this. Because I'm going to give you the name and how many subscribers they had as the end of 2022. TikTok had one million. Sorry, I don't know how to read that many zeros. One billion subscribers. <laughs> one in seven people in the whole world are on TikTok. Dear Lord in heaven. You go, well, I don't do TikTok. Well, chances are you do Instagram. IG, the grams. 1,478,000,000 people are on Instagram. WhatsApp? I don't even have WhatsApp. A lot of you do. WhatsApp, third largest social media platform in the world. Two billion people subscribe to WhatsApp. YouTube. Yeah. 2,562,000,000 people on YouTube. Last but not least, Facebook. Almost 3 billion people are on Facebook right now. If you want to look at it this way, Facebook is the largest population group on earth. I'm telling you that whether you engage with this, whether you use it, whether you participate with it in social media or not, you are impacted by it. And someone that you know, probably someone that you love, probably someone who is your, your friend or your child or your grandchild is actually a citizen of that virtual nation. And you need to come to terms with this. <coughs> you need to know what to do. You need to know what not to do. And you also got to, let's see if we can't figure out, can we figure out how do we do this? Because if we are going to do what I told you, what the scripture says, and that is to imitate Christ, we got to ask, WWJD, what would Jesus do? If he was walking around today, would he engage and participate in social media? I am of the mind, yes, he would. I'm going to give you my case here in a minute. Because based on how he actually ministered, how he lived in the first century, he went to the marketplace, he went to the town square, and based on the fact that whether we like it or not, social media is now our marketplace and our town square, I'm pretty sure he would. 
But it also makes me wonder, if he was on social media, what would he post? How would he, how, what is that? What are the guidelines for that? As I, I as asked, asked a while ago, would he snap a picture of the crowd before he got up to speak? And you know, hashtag Capernaum. I don't know. <laughs> would he tweet where he was going to head next to speak so that people could meet him there? Maybe. How would he respond to a comment from a Pharisee that said, you're a heretic? Which one of the 12 would he say, hey, you got to update TikTok and YouTube. I, I, I don't have time. You say, what are you basing this on? We know what Jesus was like because we have four different biographies. We call them the Gospels, but we have four uh, biographies of what Jesus said, how he, he, he lived, where he went. And one thing you can take away from this, and there's no way on earth I could possibly address all these things, but I'm just saying, you go and do your own research. Jesus prioritized places where people from all kinds of backgrounds gathered. All kinds. People who agreed with him, people who disagreed with him. All ethnicities. You say, how do you know that? Do your research. The stats... Prove he had 132 public appearances and 122 of those 132 took place in a marketplace situation. Out of the four Gospels, it is recorded that he told 52 different parables, particular stories that he could use to get people thinking and teach. Of those 52, 45 of them had a, had a marketplace town square context. So, if that's what Jesus did, then we turn and look at our modern town square, our marketplace, social media. People from all backgrounds gather on social media. Even it's like, well, hey, I keep it local. I guarantee you, everybody who's in your friend list does not see the world the way that you see it. You've probably got different ethnicities. You've probably got people who are different ages. You've probably got people who have different spiritual backgrounds. But I'm just telling you, social media is where ideas are discussed, news is broken, lives are shared, culture is shaped. It's the facts. So if Jesus actually valued the spaces and places where people were impacted and we're to imitate Christ, if he valued those spaces where people were impacted, then we need to engage with social media in the same way that Jesus would, like Jesus does, and we're supposed to imitate him. So I still say, WWJP, what would Jesus post? Not do you wish he would post, but what would he post? Here are some ways, because I'm going to expand on this next week if you love me enough to come back. And then we'll do some more of the third week. I think these are some guiding things we can, we can deal with just today. I think Jesus would engage social media with a God-honoring purpose. And I didn't put it there in your notes, but it's like, and I should too. <laughs> Just go ahead and write that out there. Jesus would engage social media with a God-honoring purpose. Jesus, of all the people that you can see from history, Jesus was definitely driven by purpose. He said, this is why I'm here. This is why I came. It is my purpose to do these things. He said these things. So I think if he were on social media, I think he would still have a purpose. But listen to me. Because if you and I are going to imitate Christ, then we've got to identify what we ought to be letting go of and what we need to be embracing. I really don't think Jesus would get on Facebook to troll people. Trolling is, you know, say something that feels a bit inflammatory so you can get other people to scream back at you in all caps. I don't think Jesus would do that. Which, by the way, those of you who are my age and you think you're getting cooled by putting it in all caps, you're literally screaming at people. Don't do that. It'd be better to keep it all lowercase. It's like, you know the hardest part for me at my age and what I learned and how I got? It's like, the kids tell me I don't need to use punctuation. I'm like, I can't help myself. <laughs> I don't think he would get on X to spread gossip or look for it. I know good and well he would not get into the middle of a conversation in order to pick a fight. And, oh, I know this one for sure, because he told us this, one. this is how he lived. He did not come to win an argument. If you don't take anything else away today from what I say, stop trying to win 
arguments. As Christ followers, you're not supposed to be arguing to begin with. And God did not call you to win an argument. He called you to follow Jesus. Imitate Christ. I think he would avoid criticizing political leaders. You say, how do you know that? Because that's what he did in real life. Oh, sorry, IRL. (laughs) He would also spend some time, because he did a lot of this, he spent a lot of time cautioning over church people. I just think when Jesus opened Facebook or X or Snapchat, see, we haven't even dealt with Snap, that's cool. He always met people where they were. I think he would meet people where they are. He said, what do you mean? If you go and read the biographies, if you go read the Gospels, you see that Jesus tried to engage with people right where they were. He did not expect them to come to him to start engaging. He would go to them and engage with where they were. And often he would go to those people and he would say, you have a real need. Let me see what I can do to meet that need, to feed, to listen, to do whatever it is, to just get the conversation started. He would go to where people were in order to offer offer them something to help with their obvious need so that he could engage them in conversation about life and therefore life as it needs to be lived because he was truth, literally truth, walking around. But he would engage them in conversation so he could engage them with truth about what life is like. And then he would say, let me give you an accurate picture of what God is like. Because you've heard it said that God's like this. But I'm here to show you and tell you this is actually what God is like. He would then invite people. It's like, if you got anything out of what I had to say, just come follow me. Meaning, and we've done that in a whole series. Follow him, ask questions, scratch your head, go, I don't understand what he meant. Watch what he does, listen to how he talks, what did he do. You go, that just takes so much time. Yeah, it does. And it saves the world. So how can you do that on social media? How can you look at social media in a completely different way? Maybe it's like, I'm not going to criticize. I'm actually going to send an encouraging message today. I, I, just, I, I heard that somebody was discouraged. I'm going to encourage them. Just, we're going to get through this together. You could share what you're learning. Like I said, if somebody asks you, what did you do this, this weekend? Tell them, well, we talked about what would you just post. You're learning that. Post things that you go, this really helped me. I know a lot of people who will say, you know, you should join me at CR because CR really helped me. You're not preaching, you're just saying, hey, it's, it's the same thing that our whole church ought to be doing, and that is we're like a bunch of hungry pe- people who found some food, and we're just showing other hungry people where to find it. That's, that's what we do. You say, where do you about base on? 2 Corinthians 1, 4 from the Living Bible says, What a wonderful God we have. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of every mercy, meaning He doesn't give us what we deserve, the punishment we deserve. He's the source of every mercy and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and our trials. In other words, if you have felt or experienced that God has done something in your life through the tough stuff of life, then tell people that that's happening. He goes on, he says, and why does God do this merciful, gracious thing? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given us. It's a beautiful thing. It's like, I know it's tough. It feels like you're going through hell, but if you're going through hell, keep on going. Because Jesus is with us. You know I love you, don't you, church? Not fussing, I'm just saying, if we're going to be different, if we're going to be salt and light in a dark and tasteless world, you have to do things differently. And it's so easy to get sucked in in social media. It's like, I'm just going to join the argument. All caps, has that actually made any difference? No. So don't keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. I won't even finish that. His purpose for Christ followers is what? I just described, and that is, whatever you received from him, give it away. You say, what does that mean? If you love God, then show people that you love God. If you love people, then love people. Our purposes are, we love God, we love people, we grow them up, we show them how, we send them out. That's what we talked about very first message of this year. Here we go. It's what we do. Here's a good research project. 
Go and look into all the biographies of the Gospels and see how many questions Jesus asked. Because he asked a bunch of them. In fact, a lot of people found it very frustrating that they come and ask Jesus a question. And you know how he'd answer them? With a question. There's a... Hmm... When people ask what you can see, you know, perceive as a stupid question on the internet, you don't have to answer. Just ask a question. And don't make it snide. Don't make it sharp-edged. Not trying to win. Just be like Jesus. Ask questions. Engage in conversations. I'm just telling you, listen to the answers. If people are willing to give you answers to, to, to life questions, listen to what they're saying. Because if you've been there, you know that sometimes it's just talking it out that people are trying to figure out what are they supposed to do. And listen, 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 church, there is no us and them. Oh, yes, there is. I follow Jesus. They do not follow Jesus. There's us and then there's them. Nope. Nope. There's just us and him. That's it. We're a colossal collection of moral fallops, every stinking one of us. When you listen for their answers, listen for their answers so that you can hear what's in their heart. Don't try to figure out how to give them more answers. That's one of the things. You come to celebrate recovery and you sit in a group and you actually share your life and no one tries to fix you and yet God fixes you. How is this possible? Then when someone asks you what you think, and why you choose to be positive or you choose to encourage or help, then you can do what Peter, the guy who was probably closest to Jesus, this is what he wrote in one of his letters. He says, make sure that in your hearts you honor Christ, the Messiah, as Lord, as the number one spot, the boss, the CEO. Always make sure that that's where he is in your heart. And then always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you about the hope that you have. If you are displaying hope and people say, why do you act that way? Tell them why you have hope. Because Jesus looked at you and saw a sinner, not just a mistaker, but a sinner and said, I would rather die than be without you. And you said, I cannot get over that kind of gracious, merciful love. I bowed my knee to him and I'm following him because he is who he says he is and he did what he said he would do. That's it. He says, be ready to give the reason for this hope. But watch this. But do it gently and with respect. And you go, but the people that I'm not with, I'm just like, I do not respect them. Well, there's your issue. Do a heart check, y'all. In regards to the internet, social media, whatever, are you avoiding people that Jesus died to save? You go, who are those people? Everybody. 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 The people who look like you, the people who don't. The people who vote like you, the people who don't. The people who are on the other side of the world. It doesn't matter. Everyone needs Jesus. You say, I'm so confused. I, I'm, just, I'm just so confused. I thought that having the right politics was equal to the kingdom of God. Eh. Listen to me. If you are a Christ follower, you are to be in the world, but you are not to be of it. You say, not of this world. That doesn't mean that you're so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. What it means is you do not operate on the same continuum of red or blue, right or left. You have moved to a whole different thing, and that is you belong to the kingdom of God, and you engage with those who are still in the kingdom of this world. Not because you're better, but because you've been redeemed, and you are to imitate Christ. You are heaven's citizen. That is your number one calling. Are you on social media for selfish reasons? Are you trying to build your kingdom or are you trying to build his? Wow, it's so quiet in here. Okay, um, let's do this. Second point. I think Jesus would also disengage from social media in order to engage with his father. 
and I should too. Yes, I think he would engage because he did engage. He engaged with lots of people who did not see the world as he saw it. He didn't try to win an argument. He wasn't, that, that, that was not it. But he was trying to bring God to where they were so that they would start following him. But he also took time to disengage from social media and not just, whew, got to get away from people. I'm all peopled out. He got away so that he could engage with his father. Luke records for us, that he says, Jesus would often go away from the crowd to pray in quiet places. Hmm. He would actually disengage from the crowd, and boy, could he you know, gather a crowd. He would actually go away from the 12 who were the closest to him. He's like, I got to go. If y'all have ever watched The Chosen, sometimes Jesus, they can't find him. They don't know where he went. But he always did it for a purpose. Because he made specific time for direct engagement with his father, which he said, and his father is our heavenly father. And whether you've had a good dad on this earth or you haven't, you have the best dad waiting for you at home. He would not allow his presence online to distract him from experiencing the presence of God in his life. Here's another thing I found about Jesus, and this is what made him kind of ornery because he didn't do what everybody wanted him to do. Jesus seemed to never feel obligated to respond to everyone about everything. And social media, because we've got notifications, because you hit that subscribe button or you hit that notification button or you're on everybody's Facebook, I don't even know how it works, is like every time, ding, ding, ooh, ding, ding. You don't have to respond to everything you hear. You don't have to do it. He did not allow himself to be distracted from his mission and calling in life. He didn't allow people comparing him or not comparing him. He didn't allow crisis to dictate what he was supposed to do that day. He did not allow criticism to keep him from what he was trying to do, and that is love people in order to draw them to God. He didn't even allow the government or theological debates to get in the way. He once said, because people say, well, you know, this is what they're saying about you. He said, your opinion means nothing to me. Your opinion about me means nothing. Because I came to do what God asked me to do. People tried to trick him. He's like, you know, here's a coin. Do you think we should give taxes to, to Rome? Because they were the occupying force. Or should we give it to God? He's like, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. But render unto God that which is God. Pay your taxes, but you still got to love God. They, they tried to trap him and said, uh, this theological debate is like, which is the greatest commandment? Because if they could get him to say the wrong thing, then they'd have him, you know, in, in a theological noose. It's like, he's like, well, the two greatest are love God, love people. And they couldn't argue with that because that's what all the law and the prophets say. And then, he, you know, he had people who come and tattle. You know, your disciples are gleaning. Meaning, on the Sabbath day when you're not supposed to do any work. And we're talking about a culture that if you were to spit on the ground on the Sabbath day and it runs downhill and it makes mud, you have that is considered work and you have just disobeyed the law. That's how hyper-sensitive they were. He had guys that were following him. They just need a little something to eat, go buy a wheat field in that part where the tractor can't get to. They'd take a little bit of that out of the corner and they'd glean from it and eat some of the wheat. Well, some of those people came. Did you know that your disciples have been gleaning on the Sabbath? And that's whenever he said, well, let me ask you a question. Was the Sabbath made for people or were the people made for the Sabbath? His point was, is that God created the Sabbath to bless people. He didn't make it into a rule so that I could go, look at what you did. Listen, if you're a, a, a social media veteran, you probably wrestle with this, this, this idea about disengagement because how much is enough? Literally, how much is enough? Because... I don't have time to go in this, could do a whole, whole section on this. But there is the fact that there is a scientific thing going on here, and by that I mean it is measurable, but it is true among hu uh, human beings generally, but among teens especially. This is a physiological issue. That if you are under the age of 24 and you have a smart device, you are literally developing a dopamine addiction to the notifications. 
What are you going to do about that? Because tools are tools. It doesn't matter if it's a saw or a hammer or a phone. Tools are built in order to do work or to accomplish something. But if you start looking at the tool and going, that's a fascinating tool, what can I do? You can become obsessed with the tool. Guess what? These tools actually have tools built into them to help us build better boundaries. And you can team up with other people to say, would you please set my phone to where I'm only able to access these things for X amount of time every day, and then it cuts me out. We go, I don't know. Because see, even this is the truth. Some of you are thinking about it like, do you ever, have you ever left your phone at the house? and you're a quarter mile down the road, and you have a panic attack? I'm, I'm not kidding. It's doing that. Doesn't make the tool wrong. I'm saying the way you're handling the tool, you've got to help yourself and help others disengage from the screens. This is a stewardship issue, y'all. It's you, it, your time is your life. How are you managing your life? How are you managing your time? Are you stewarding your time correctly? Are you imitating Christ on social media well? You've got to set specific time, specific limits. Otherwise, you're going to turn into a social media glutton. You will just literally scroll through feeds. Throw, scroll, 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 consume, consume, consume. You never contribute anything. There's even a term for that. Have you become a doom scroller? The IRL equivalent? Imagine if you went to Walmart and spent as much time in Walmart as you spend on social media just wandering up and down the aisles watching people and looking at stuff. Police would get involved. That's why Paul said, Ephesians 5, he said, live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as people who do not know the meaning and purpose of life, but as those who do. He says, make the best use of your time despite all the difficulties of these days. Yes, Jesus would engage with social media. I'm confident in it. He would also disengage from it in order to connect with his father and the people near him. I know that on your phones you have push notifications. Those are great, but did you know there's also a button called privacy or focus? that they can't get to you, use it. Carve out, commit specific time to spending with your Heavenly Father for the same reason that Jesus did. Why did He do that? In order to gain power to live, to know what the truth was, and to gain direction for His life. Because it's a relationship. It's not a religion. It is a relationship. Spend time with your Father. But listen to me, and I'm saying all these things because I love you. If you are more eager... When you wake up in the morning, when that alarm goes off, if you are more eager to roll over and check your social media status than you are to spend time alone with God, you have a problem. There is help for that problem, but I'm just saying, culturally and statistically, that is what most people do. It is even more essential than coffee to most people, which blows my mind. I don't even understand that. I'm just saying there's a better way. Romans 12, 2 says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and then you'll be changed from the inside out. Then he says, listen, this is part of my life verse, readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to that because unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. That's a good, good thing. I'll say it again. If you're more eager to check your status than to spend time alone with God, listen, listen, that device that you think you're using, it's using you. Think about the difference. Listen, listen. The difference between social media companies... And their motivations and the word of God and God's desire for you is so starkly different. Listen to me. I'm building a case and I hope that you'll go and talk about this at lunch today. These social media companies, listen to what I'm saying and listen to it carefully. They are no more evil or untrustworthy than any other group of human beings on the earth. All human groups have the potential to do very good or very bad things. I'm saying social media companies are no more or no less than that. But like any company, whatever good may come from what they do or for their services, they have one purpose, and that is to make money. There is nothing evil about that. It's okay to make money. 
but I'm just wanting you to back away from it. What is Facebook actually doing? They are trying to make money for their stockholders. Now, how do they make their money? Because some of you have literally never thought of this before. How exactly do social media companies make their money? Because the bulk of it does not come from something you gave them. Because unless you're doing premium services on Facebook and Instagram and other things, you got a free account. Some of you have two or three free accounts. But by and large, it is free to interact with anyone on any social media site. And yet, these companies are making so much money hand over fist. How is this working? Listen, there's a business saying that says to, and it definitely applies to social media. If you're not paying for it, then you're not the customer. You're the product. The fact is, social media companies gather and, and make money by gathering and selling access to information. And they want as much information about you and me as possible. This is their business model. I am not making a judgment on it. I'm saying that's what they do. Now you go, well, they don't have my social security number. I'm not saying they do. I'm not saying they don't. But I do know that statistically they have about 5,000 data points on you and me and everybody who's on social media. 5,000. This is why whenever you say, hey, you know, I just saw a volleyball game. In two hours, something pops up on your device that says, look, here's a new volleyball outfit. Or you can, it's because you, they know you like volleyball. They gather, the point is, the reason the money gets made is that advertisers salivate over that kind of information. Because why would you want to, like, I'm going to put a generalized ad in the newspaper and hope that people read it, or I'm going to actually go to their device because I am connected to them, and I'm going to tell them, I've got what you want, and I know what you want because I know a lot about you. So the more that social media knows about you, the more they can charge for the access to that information. But the thing that's missing from this equation is any consideration of the consequence of where does that information go and what kind of impact will it have on the lives of the people who share it. But listen to me, that's our responsibility, not theirs. Because you're not a guinea pig. Social media companies aren't morally evil for wanting info. That's their business. They've told us that's what their business is. That's their motive. Now let's switch over. What is God's motive whenever he gives us the Bible? And gives us direction. We have found over 2,000 years that it's a trustworthy communication from a loving Heavenly Father whose main concern is to bring you back to Himself. And His secondary reason is to make you like the character of His Son Jesus in all aspects of your life. And one of the ways He does that is that He's trying to do it for your benefit. He invites, come get my perspective, He says, because that's wisdom become wise. Proverbs 1.3 says these words, God's words, Help you learn about the ways of wisdom, essentially what is right and just and fair. You just compare the motives of social media or the, socials of, uh, the, the motives of, uh, of God. What, who, who's in your favor? Jesus would engage with social media, I believe. The purpose, he would disengage so he can connect with his father. Do one more. I think he would use social media to complement his personal relationships and not replace them. In other words, because I might not have time to say all of this. In other words, Jesus would not confuse Facebook friends with authentic personal relationships. Because he made it clear. Watch what he did. Listen to me. I hope you all will stay with me. He made it clear that ultimately life is all about relationships. Our relationship to God, relationship with other people, our relationship with ourselves. Jesus, others, you. Okay, got that? He would spark potential relationships in the marketplace, but he would always wind up at a supper table with somebody. That was the way he worked. Why? Because across the table, whether it's having an online group, because we have an online group that, that is very tight-knit, there is this give and take of this is what my life is like. Why? Because just like us, we can sit in rows or you can sit in front of your television or device and you can listen to someone like me give direction and start some uh, discussions, but you cannot answer questions. You cannot fill baby bottles. You cannot have a deeper, durable, uh, personal, authentic relationships unless you get it down to one-on-one or one-on-two and just in interact like that. That's why, listen to me, uh, social media offers this very dangerous temptation. That is to believe that if you have a bunch of 
surface level and filtered relationships that they become more important than just a few meaningful WYSIWYG relationships. Y'all didn't get IRL. Did you get WYSIWYG? What you see is what you get. The real kind of stuff. You need people who know you. And they need that same thing from you. And so it's true online or in person. This is how we're to live. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's a good verse to memorize just to cover everything we've talked about. Only speak what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Like I said, social media is and it needs to remain nothing more than a tool but it's a tool that we as christ followers can do we can use to live out the great commission and the great commandment love god love people go and make disciples baptize in them uh just go into all the world here we go uh, yes we can get the word out to a bunch of people and start some directions but i'm just telling y'all um jesus changes nations heart by heart life by life how it works so consider all these things before you wait into the internet look for people's needs uh, you know for needs that god's equipped you to meet and then figure out how to take that offline or to dm them and uh, serve like jesus colossians 4 5 says use your heads as you live and work among outsiders don't miss a trick make the most of every opportunity be gracious in your speech the goal is not the goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation not to put them down and not to cut them out I do have to hit. Y'all, y'all with me? I, 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 come on. I want you to use this. I've talked to some church people and they say, I don't understand the whole point of this. I don't understand why people are even on social media. I tried it once. Every time I get on Facebook or X or IG, I, some uninformed idiot posts a stupid remark and I, and I get mad. So I don't want to do it. Okay, well, you need to deal with that. But here's a quick thought. When you actually decided to follow Jesus Christ, you actually gave up the right to be offended. You're like... I didn't know that. Well, now you do. That's what he means whenever you just keep on forgiving. It's like, you still have to deal with truth. I'm not saying that, but you don't, you don't go around like, there's a chip on that shoulder, knock it off. Offend me. We're supposed to be salt and light. If you want to be salt and light, salt and light have to get up close to the things they're supposed to affect. You cannot pull yourself back and, and have a good influence. For, like, but, anyway, that just really gets at the heart of all this. Because maybe you think, what's the point? Should Christ followers even be in social media? Maybe we should run. Maybe we should be afraid. Maybe we should go on the outside and attack it. Maybe we should weaponize it. No, no, and no. My question I, I want to ask is, why aren't there more Christ followers on social media with the same spirit and habits that Christ had? I've learned over the years that people as Christ followers tend to fall into one of two categories, and that is uh, there's, they either want to isolate themselves or they just want to imitate the world. It's either isolation or imitation. Because isolation is I don't want to get dirtied by the world. And those people already talked about that. Or people say, well, let's just be like them. If you can't beat them, join them. And then you become, a, 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 you become irrelevant and impotent. What Christ told us was that it's neither isolation nor imitation, it's insulation and infiltration. That's what he said. You're to be salt and light, penetrate the world system with the goodness of God. By the way, if you want to know where you can get a really good meal, sea bass, it's in Newport Beach, California. Forget the name place, you come ask me, I'll find it. What I find interesting is that when we've been out there, order that sea bass, that, whole, that, that fish has spent its whole life in brine and yet when they bring it to my table i have to add salt <laughs> if god can create a fish that can live its whole life and not allow brine to pollute its flesh he can certainly give you the power to live for christ in a world that does not agree with jesus christ it's about insulation and infiltration trusted because you're going to be in the world but not other world second timothy paul said the holy spirit does not want you to be afraid of people but to be wise and to be strong and to love them and enjoy being with them which brings me to that thing spark marketplace conversations but try to bring people to your table but remember this based on what scripture says Jesus very rarely would have per, you know, posted personal, intimate interactions with people. He, he sent the disciples away to talk to the woman at the well. 
Because she had a lot of dirty laundry and it just needed to be a one-on-one conversation. Whenever he was talking to the fellow who was complaining because he never got well, because no one put him in the water in in John chapter 5, he said, what do you want? The guy would never answer him. But he had a one-on-one conversation. And just because I like to make y'all laugh, I'm pretty sure that though he wrote it, I just don't think that he would post just Bible verses. I thought that was funny. Um... I also don't think he would be the one on Facebook that would say, share this picture of me and say amen if you want to be blessed. And if you delete this, you're going to be cursed. I just don't... If you want three blessings today, I I just he wouldn't do that. Plus, give it thought. Then I think Jesus would actually post, repost, and even like, retweet some people who weren't Christ followers. say, why do you say that? (sighs) Spent a lot of time with prostitutes and tax collectors. He seemed to be very intentional about saying, I came to call the sinners, not just the righteous. You go, well, I'm not a sinner. Well, there you are. <laughs> I also think, based on what he says, especially people who are very over-church like myself, I think he'd post things that would lack, cause righteous people to shake their heads. Mm. Can you believe that Jesus posted that? He reposted that. Doesn't he know that every Christian's a Republican? <laughs> For those of you who do not understand, that is not true. Jesus was neither a Republican nor a Democrat. OMG, honey, come here. Jesus just retweeted something from Andy Stanley. How can he possibly be the Son of God? Just saying. Church people, I've seen some Christians unfriend others because they cussed in a post or they displayed some drinking of alcohol. And I'm just telling you, that's a lot of perspective from so many Christians in real life. Well, if they're going to be like those people, I don't want to be like them, so we've got to get away from them. That's not how we're supposed to behave. Jesus came to engage all people with the good news. He did not, call, he did not come to comfort the convinced. He came to engage darkness, not run from it. So how will Christ followers impact those who don't know about Jesus if we keep unfriending someone every time they post something we disagree with? Maybe it's time to learn and relearn how do we engage like Jesus did? How do we imitate Christ? I'm just asking you. I think this is very, very important. And I'm so grateful for coworkers who pushed me to do this. Y'all are out there. If you're a Christ follower during this series, would you please give serious thought about how and why you post? Because I think Christ followers need to be in the marketplace without a doubt, but we do not need to be picking fights over religion. We do not need to be ranting about the latest decision from the government. We do not need to be comparing our lives to other people. And I don't care whether you're doing it without outright arrogance or humble brags. I'm just saying, I think we ought to be using this tool in a better way. How can I use social media to help enhance and complement my personal relationships in a way that would honor Christ? Yes, do stay in touch and remind people. That you can weep with them because they're weeping. Or you can rejoice with them because they have found something really good. I'm just saying, do not use it to inflict pain or aggravate your enemies or troll your friends or rant about the government or waste massive amounts of time. It's just not the way we're supposed to do it. But you got to do it intentionally and you got to decide beforehand, which is why I'm saying... If we have a firm understanding of who Jesus is and how we're supposed to be like him, then we're going to be following him, believing him, and obeying him. I just know I have a lot of work to do with this. But I think if every Christ follower decided to take this one step toward posting like Jesus, I think we could make a difference, heart by heart and life by life. And I'm here to tell you that's what Jesus wants. You say, are you speaking for Jesus? No, I'm just telling you what he said because he prayed for you. This is what he said and prayed in John 17. He said, Father, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one, because they are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. But I'm asking you, Father, please make them holy, set apart, consecrated, and you do that with the truth. And your word is consecrating truth. So in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. Imitate. Christ. Get it? Good. Thank you for giving me your attention. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I love you so much. I pray that the things that we have looked at in your word find their precious place in our heart and mind so that we not only know the truth, we understand the truth, and then we also know how to do the truth. So God, shake us to wake us if that's what it takes. Give us guidance and power to live the way we were called to. Lord, I pray for anybody who's been hearing this message and it's like, I want to follow Jesus. Sounds, sounds vigorous. It is. But give them the courage to surrender everything to you. And for those of us who've been maybe kind of rusted up in our following, knock off the rust. Make us fresh. Help us to follow you. And we'll give you the praise for the good things you'll do in our life and our families and our church. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please?